Thank you all so much. I can't, oh, yeah, it's on. I can't even begin to tell you what a fabulous 28 years it's been, and uh, we just appreciate you all, appreciate what God has done, and just extremely, extremely thankful. So what I'm going to do today is something a little bit different. Normally, when I get up here, somebody else on staff gets up here, we open the Bible, we usually turn to a passage, and we go through the passage. So this day will be a little bit different, but what I did was I picked two different passages that Paul did as he was saying goodbye to various churches. And so I've just modeled it after his outline, where he, first of all, gives thanksgiving, and he names people specifically, and then there are some reflections on what God has done, and then there are charges uh, to the church itself. So that's basically the outline. So it's not exegetical, but at least the thoughts come from an outline that would be exegetical. So first of all, Cheryl and I just want to thank all of you so much for Parkview Church, and you are the church. You have played a massive, incredible role in our lives, and we have emerged much greater, much fuller because of you. And the Lord has been so good, so good to us, and so good to us as a church together. And uh, I just want to quickly name some of the staff that that God has used uh, in my life uh, over the years in, in a huge way. And of course, Doug is the, the new lead pastor and we have campus pastors. So Doug would be the lead pastor and campus pastor over the central, central uh, site. And then Josh, who was up here earlier, would be the north campus. And then Doug Fern would be the east campus. And Doug is an incredible uh, man of faith incredible visionary and uh, you know I've known Doug for years and years and years and I'll, I'll guarantee you he will keep us all hopping uh, there's no doubt about that and yet but there's not a bone in his body would that would do anything selfishly motivated it would be because he feels God is uh, clearly leading in this direction so I have tremendous confidence and Doug uh, it was April 1992 you were the first full-time pastoral staff person that, that came on board and uh, so we worked a lot together uh, you were the the pastor of, of all of our kids for for years married some of them and uh, it's been it's been a thrill and so hiring you clearly has been the second best thing I've done uh, the first best thing I've done was to introduce Lori to Doug so <laughs> so that that was a, a, a very positive deal so Doug has been with us a number of years, and it'll be exciting to see what the future looks like with Parkview, and we'll be definitely following along uh, as, as part of the team. Um, Jim Douglas, Jim Douglas and Debbie Meadows actually uh, came on board a little bit earlier in February. I think Doug was April of 1992. Jim Douglas was part-time. He was part-time before I even got here uh, with Parkview. And uh, Debbie and, and uh, Jim both came on full-time in February of 1992. So they've been here for you know, a good number of years. Jim for 27 years and Debbie for 26. She's been out for the last year. But incredible trust, dedication, dependability. Uh, Debbie, Debbie has been an awesome secretary, and Jim has been so faithful uh, with the finances of the church. Uh, Steve Rashke would be the next pastor uh, that was hired in uh, 
October of 1993, so almost uh, 26 years. And so Steve and I, over the years, have worked very closely together. He was with adult ministry, so we were constantly dealing with people. So it was a very natural connection for me to deal uh, with with Steve. And uh, Steve is a, a very gifted um, teacher. Uh, we did the membership class together, and uh, and just a, an, an unbelievable heart for people who are in need of care, shepherding, and compassion. So it's been a, a wonderful relationship. And uh, Steve, I love you very much and um, excited to see what God will continue to do through your life. Uh, Doug Fern has been here for 15 years. And uh, it's been so much fun to see Doug Fern blossom and grow. And uh, Doug Fern started with a, with a spot and it started out in that back kitchen and then it grew to where it is today. And then on top of that, now Faith Academy is just blossoming. And uh, not only Faith Academy, but he is the site pastor for the East Campus. God is just doing an unbelievably great work through uh, Doug Fern. Of course, you've met Josh. He's on the on the North Campus. Dave Foster came in 2006, so he's been with us for 13 years as family uh, ministry director. And, and Dave and I have done things together as well. Just extremely gifted, bright uh, teacher. And uh, if ever I have theological questions, I go to Dave. And but we also have taught Parkview U together along with Andrew Hancock. So that's been tremendous. And and Dave has another team of people. They're Todd. Todd has, has worked with Parkview for a number of years, and Rhonda uh, continues to. John Serwinski actually goes back about 25 years when we had Saturday night at 6. So he came in to do that Saturday night at 6 service, and then he branched off and became a, a music director of some various churches, and we've had the privilege of having John back for the last six years. Paul Donaldson with Global Outreach. Bonnie. Bonnie McGlumfrey with the children's ministry has just done a phenomenal job. And many of you who have had children go through the children's ministry, you know what a what a blessing she's been. We have a lot of a lot of newer staff: John McHale, Andrea, Wade, uh, Thomas, John Page, Josh as well. So many new staff that it will be so exciting to see them grow and develop, and they've just fit in so well. And there are a lot of people behind the scenes. I think of Don Kaiser, who put all this together, along with Happy Trails. Uh, we've done a lot of video together for sermons, and it's been a joy working with him. He's been full-time for nine years. And uh, Dave and Callie and uh, Jesse are all in the tech world. And then we have the administrative world of, of Emily and Benny and Connie and Casey. And then Jesse also works with Gary McGlumfrey uh, in, the, in the physical plant area. We've had incredible uh, lay leaders. I, I think when we first got here years ago, Gary Fisher was, was the church chairman, so it's been a blessing to get to know Gary um, Fisher and Gary Smith and a whole, a whole crew of guys there. Eleanor McClellan uh, just has been like a mom to me over the years, and she was on the search committee when, when I came and just love her to death. She's just a wonderful woman of God and been an incredible encouragement to me. So just a personal saint. And a lot of guys have built into my lives. When you think of accountability partners, you know, Paul had a, an accountability partner as such, and, and I certainly have as too, sitting right up here with our family. Carl Everett from Breckenridge, Texas. He was our first church coming out of, of uh, Dallas Seminary. I was just praying to God any church would take me. 
And uh, so those guys took me, and so Carl and I have been extremely close friends uh, for 40 years now. Our families have been extremely close. I've had the privilege of doing uh, their kiddos' weddings and stuff, so it's, it's been just a blast, Carl. And, and you have challenged me and built into my life uh, for 40 years now. And many of you know Don Landau. Uh, we started out being accountability partners 27 years ago. So, and he, so we meet once a month now, and it's, it's wonderful carrying on that. Mark Mesnick has been the, the chairman of the Elder Board, so Mark and I have, have met together and held each other accountable. You've probably been the roughest accountability partner I've had, <laughs> so, which is good. That, that is a very positive statement. You haven't backed down whatsoever. So I just thank God for you and Lisa and your whole family. You've been an incredible blessing uh, to, to us and saved us a lot of money in the area of orthopedics as well. So, <laughs> but, and then a big group would be our community group. We have just loved our community group. We, we've been together. Some of us started 25 years ago in our community group. So we might be the longest lasting. We're probably the oldest too. But community group, and then we've added new people along the way. And we just adore the people in our community group. And when you hear people talk about getting in a community group, you know, take it from us. Uh, I don't know how we would have made it without our community group. So we encourage you to do that. Uh, in terms of our biggest Thanksgivings would be our kids, having six kids and in a pastor's home, trying to deal with life as a pastor's child it isn't easy, especially when schedules are so uh, haywire. But by far, without a doubt, uh, the biggest Thanksgiving goes to Cheryl uh, herself. Uh, she is a praiseworthy woman of faith. Uh, when you hear other people talk about Cheryl, she is the, the picture of a godly mother, a, a wonderful wife, a good friend, um, just a very, she could not be more supportive. There is no way I could have made it in ministry and leave a legacy had it not been for the just selfless, untiring uh, support of Cheryl. Cheryl, I love you so much, and you've been an incredible blessing in my life. Couldn't have done it, couldn't have done it without you and the Lord for sure. Um, so I'm just very thankful. There's a lot, there are a number of reflections, and I, I won't go through a lot of the reflections. There's some big things, fun things that happen you normally think of, like, like we had a couple of, couple of Easter services at Carver Hawkeye Arena. It wasn't even my idea. It was David Arnold's idea to have it. And then other people pull it off really well. I, Doug had a big part in pulling those things off. And uh, so it was just a lot, of, a lot of fun doing those things. Of course, big things, you think of the flood. Wow, those were big. But it was fun to see the whole church pulled together. So many people worked so hard uh, to, to get us through those very difficult times. So those were big. The university outreach was, was huge. And we're just so thankful to God for everything uh, God has done. You saw Jesse Bradley, I think it's Zach Nielsen, all those guys, Andy Campman, who rallied with the college ministry, and that continues to be a, a, a very targeted focus that God uses uh, to reach. I, I think one of my favorite memories, Doug, was, and, and you're the one who spearheaded this too. This is one of the reasons you're probably the lead pastor. Everything that good happened, Doug spearheaded, you know. So, but one of the things was the William Lane Craig outreach. 
And uh, so William Lane Craig, I don't know if you're familiar with him, he came in and uh, we, we had him and we thought, we don't, we're not sure how many people would even show up. So we scheduled a meeting at um, the chemistry, chemistry building and we just packed it out. So he said, okay, we've got to move to the, to the biggest auditorium at the university, not Hancher, of course, but we moved it over to the brand new business auditorium and it was packed out with people and uh, God used that in a tremendous, tremendous way. So uh, there, there's been, and of course with Doug Fern with Faith Academy and, and the, the spot that outreach has just become known around the United States and, and so many people like myself, have been blessed by community groups, and uh, Steve for years spearheaded community groups, and and now uh, Thomas and and John McHale are sort of taking a stab at, at that, getting that. So again, I urge you to, boy, if you haven't got plugged in, it's just, it, it it really can be life changing for you. Uh, but I think the biggest thing when I think of reflections, the biggest thing wouldn't be those events. They were great. They were nice. I'm glad we did them, but by far my biggest takeaway, my biggest reflection is just you guys. We have just grown to love you guys. And just, just going through life with you all has been our biggest blessing. We've gone through some of the most wonderful joys, whether it be birth of a child, whether it be uh, weddings, things like that. And we've gone through some of the most difficult times you've ever gone through with cancer or, or death of a spouse or death of a child, uh, those kinds of things, or, or, or having to move and leave, those kinds of things. Uh, but I'll tell you, that's, that's what I will remember the most, just doing life with you guys and just uh, loving one another through those very difficult uh, times in life. Uh, I want to share two quick aha moments that when you think of leaving a legacy, these are the two aha moments that, that I think helped by the grace of God uh, to allow me to continue. My dream was always to go to a church, spend the rest of my life there. I didn't want, you hear so many pastors just hopping, hopping, hopping from church to church. I did not want to do that at all. So the two big aha moments, uh, the, the first one happened, it was a number of years ago. I believe, and again, I am not uh, you know, some mystical person who says this all the time. Uh, you know, this will probably be the only time I ever say it. But I believe God gave me a dream one night. It was, things were going really, really well. And uh, so this, this night I had a dream, and the dream was I was on the caboose, the back end of a train. You've seen it years ago, like when President Lincoln would campaign, the train would go from city to city, and the presidential candidate would stand on the back of the train. There would be banners, and people would be cheering, and they'd give their little talk. Then they'd go to the next city. Well, that was my dream. My dream was I was standing on that caboose you know, at the back end, and people were cheering and confetti and all this stuff and I look out in the crowd as people were cheering and there's Cheryl I've never gotten through this there was Cheryl with six little kids dressed up waving goodbye to daddy I want to tell you, I woke up from that dream and I had to promise to God I'm never going to leave my family 
for some programs, for some ministry objective. I'm not talking about the Lord, but I'm, I'm just not going to be, I'm not going to be tugged away and pulled away from my family. It's just not going to happen. So I believe that was a dream from God, and I made a commitment. I had read, read something from, um, it was a number of years ago, from Warren Buffett. I'm going to change his illustration a little bit. Warren Buffett was addressing a number of leaders. And he said, guys, if, if you want to last, if you want to make it, what you need to do is identify. Now, he said the top 25 things. I'll just make it a dozen. So identify the top 12 things you do really, really well. Write them down. He had everybody write them down, the top 12 things. He said, now take your pen and circle the very top three. These are the things that you are best at, you're most qualified to do, and you couldn't live without it. Circle those three. He said, now that you've got them circled, he said, you've got the top three, four through, of course, he, he said 25, or I'd say four through 12, are pure distractions. Do whatever you can never to get distracted by numbers four through whatever number you want to put in there. And I thought, that's what I have to do. If I'm going to make it, if I'm going to leave a, have a legacy, and if I'm not going to leave my family in the dust, that's what I have to do. And so my top three were preaching and teaching. Secondly was I need to empower staff and lay leadership. And if I'm going to give them responsibility, I also have to give them the authority to pull it off. And I need to hand it over hire people, whatever, identify people or hire people who are qualified and let them run with it. And uh, so that was the second one. And the third one was just to love people, to get involved in their lives and love people. Those are the, the top three. Um, and what you could do is also write down Exodus 18, Jethro with Moses, that would be a great picture of this, or Acts chapter 6, the first number of verses where they empowered the deacons, the servants, so that they could concentrate on what God has called them to do. Those would be a couple of good passages um, to, to identify. So the, the second big aha moment for me was, again, things were going, uh, missions was taking off, college ministry was booming, ABFs were going, uh, children's ministry was packed, uh, you know, Doug had junior high, high school, with all of our kids in it, and that was going awesome. Uh, we had three services on Sunday. We had the six o'clock service on Saturday, and uh, it was a Sunday morning. And I, I can't remember what service it was. It was either the first, probably the second service. It might have been the third service. I, I don't remember. But we were over in the chapel. And if you've ever been over in the chapel, you'll notice that there is a hallway totally encircling the chapel. You can walk, make a circle all around the chapel. And so we're having this big, you know, big worship service. And I had to leave because we had all the, the worship at the end, all the music at the end. And I walked out, went, went around the side and out the back door. And when I got out there, I noticed that the entire college ministry, Jesse Bradley was here, the entire college ministry, they were all holding hands together and, and had encircled the entire chapel, holding hands, and they were all praying for the worship service. Nobody knew about it. It wasn't a program. It, it wasn't publicized. 
And I walked out, and I'll tell you what, when I walked out of there and saw that, it absolutely knocked me to the ground because I knew that the success of Parkview, what God was doing at Parkview, had nothing to do with me. You know, I just, I just figured, I just figured, you know, if, if God could speak through Balaam's ass, he could certainly speak through me. I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just another cog. I'm just another person in the church, and everybody's gifts have to be used. But what is making this church, what is making their ch- this church go is the faithfulness and the prayer of people like those college kids that nobody knew about. If I hadn't have walked out at that time, nobody would have known about it. And that, I think, is, to me, uh, it, it left me in the state of Luke 18, 13, where that tax collector just fell to his knees and beat his breath and said, God, have mercy unto me, a sinner. That, that's how I felt. I was so overwhelmed by the power of, of knowing that all those college kids were praying for us. So I want to give you um, some charges, three of them. The first charge, and, and again, these charges are based on what we want this church to do is to glorify God. No matter what, look at the Westminster Catechism. We want it to glorify God. So what are the things the Bible says specifically glorifies God in? I would say, number one, to dream big dreams. Dreaming big glorify, glorifies God. Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even, and that word imagine, the way it could be translated, think, imagine, perceive, or dream. More than we could ever dream according to his power that is working within us. To him, then, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I mean, think about it. The ability to dream God's dreams is a gift from God. Proverbs 29 says, without a dream, without a vision, the people will perish. Everything, everything that God has used that brings him glory has been given to somebody as, as, a, as a dream, a perception, a dream of what could happen. Nothing happens until God gives somebody a dream of what would take place. Everybody here, as, as Doug mentioned earlier, it's, this isn't just a story about me. This is a challenge, a charge for you all. Everybody here needs a God-given dream. And I think a deterrent to leaving a legacy would be, uh, or one of the biggest problems in ministry that would keep you from leaving a legacy, is God giving you a big dream, and then that dream begins to shrink to the size of the circumstance or shrinks to the size of the problem that you're encountering. And Parkview's had to overcome uh, lots Lots of obstacles, but thank God, by the grace of God, these dreams continue uh, to flourish. I, I, I can remember back when, Gary, I, I remember the meetings that we would have in that back kitchen, uh, and we would think, how can we do that? Like when we needed to hire staff and we were going to hire uh, uh, a Christian education director, and all of a sudden we realized, no, it has to be two positions. Oh, well, we don't have money to do that. And so anyway, just time after time after time, we've, we've had to realize that, no, God will, if, God, if this is God's dream, if God is in it, if it's his dream, then uh, he'll, he'll provide the resources. So dream big. And what God desires 
to do through your life, again, has nothing to do with your ability. It just has everything to do with God's ability and your availability. Great things will come from small beginnings if God is in them. And that's exactly what happened to Parkview Church. Some 87 years ago, right after the Depression in the spring of 1932, Parkview Church started. It began very small. And yet, since then, we've had thousands of missionaries, people on staff, supporters, workers, go all over the globe. Uh, the, the spot has, now has Faith Academy. We have 88 students at Faith Academy, 23 people on staff at Faith Academy. Thousands of college students have, have left from the University of Iowa, gone out, serving all over the country, all over the world, and churches, some have come back. Uh, we've had international students, you know, by, by the thousands have come through the doors of Parkview Church. We've grown to love them and appreciate them so much. They go back to their countries and make a huge impact for the glory of God. Uh, I would dare to guess, I almost tried to figure it out, but I'll just say tens of thousands of children have gone through the ministries of Parkview Church and parents have become better equipped. Uh, couples have been encouraged. Adults have become better disciples. Leaders have been equipped. Uh, and Parkview now has, has three campuses for the glory of God. And I, I'm just, I'm excited that the, this vision will continue. So Doug, we've had Vision 2020. Uh, I don't know what the next one will be, 2030 or 2040 or 2050, but I'll guarantee you uh, the, vi the vision will continue, the dreams will, will continue to grow uh, as long as they're God's dreams. But it takes more than big dreams. It also takes big asks. In other words, prayer to bear bountiful fruit. And that's that bountiful fruit which glorifies God. John 15 says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Then later it says, you didn't choose me. And then he tells you, how do you do that? You do that by abiding. You abide. The secret to abiding is obeying. The secret of obeying is knowing. The secret of knowing is loving. So abiding in Jesus, loving Jesus, you could summarize it. You didn't choose me. I chose you, appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, and that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give it to you. So I think the charge to everyone here is that through your abiding in Jesus, through your loving Jesus, that God gives you the dream, and that dream becomes a big ask, that you bear much fruit. It becomes a big ask, that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give it to you. So dream big, ask the Father in his name, and when you do, and it's his dream, he unleashes immeasurable power through your life to bear abundant fruit. William Carey said it this way, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. It starts with big dreams. It continues with big asks. And that then demands a big faith. Living by faith glorifies God. It says in Hebrews 11:6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. So we can't accomplish the impossible until you first see the invisible. That's why Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things that aren't even seen. 
And then Hebrews goes on to give a, a number of examples of what, what does it mean to have big faith. I've just picked two, and I'll go through it very quickly. And I think if we're going to leave a, a lasting uh, impact, a lasting legacy, it's going to demand some of the qualities of these two particular people. So I would say as the Lord's eyes reigns throughout the entire earth to strengthen those hearts who are, who are fully committed to him, Second Chronicles 16, dare to be like Noah. Noah is the one when his eyes range throughout the whole earth. He found Noah and he said Noah found favor. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Hebrews 11:7. by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So if you want to dare to leave a legacy, incorporate some of the character qualities, spiritual qualities of Noah. Number one, Noah was absolutely available. And if uh, you will just make your life available to God, God will wear you out. You will never lack for some way to glorify God through serving him. Secondly, dare to be different like Noah was different. In Genesis, it says that Noah was righteous, he was blameless, and he walked with God. But he did this in a world that was walking away from God. So uh, he dared to be very different from the word. He, in other words, he did it by walking in the word rather than walking in the world. Thirdly, he followed the Lord completely without any question. I love Genesis 6 verse 22, it says that Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. So his life illustrates just absolute unconditional obedience. And then the last character quality of Noah that I love, if you want to leave a living uh, le legacy, a lasting living legacy, then be like Noah and never give up. You know, when I think of longevity, I think of Moses who had to wait 80 years before he could take the children of Israel into the promised land, but that doesn't even come close to Noah. Noah had to, had to work at that ark for 120 years before the ark was constructed. Noah never gave up. So dare to be like Noah. Dare, secondly, to be a Daniel. Summarizing it very quickly as you read through the entire book of Daniel, to me, the thesis of Daniel would be he was a man who trusted in a sovereign God. The sovereign God could overrule in the affairs of both men and nature. And you look at the book of Daniel, things didn't happen the way you would think they would happen because of his total dependence in the sovereign God who could overrule the affairs of both men and nature. Like he refused to eat the king's food. Well, you would think that he'd waste away. But instead, instead, that which is logical didn't happen. And uh, he became extremely fit. Uh, he flourished under, under this other diet. Uh, he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. You know, and God overrules the affairs of men and nature. Uh, this wasn't a logical outcome that he could interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Or when he refused to worship the golden image, he was thrown into the fiery furnace. 
Remember, the logical thing is that if you get thrown into a fiery furnace, you know, you get burned up. But that's, he trusted in a God who could overrule in the affairs of both men and nature. He was thrown into the fiery furnace along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what happened? There's a fourth man in that fire. And the logical thing did not happen because he refused to, to bow. He refused to bend, and he wouldn't burn. Or and the same thing was true in the lion's den. You get thrown in a lion's den with hungry lions, What's the natural thing that's going to happen? Well, the natural thing that should have happened didn't happen because he was trusting in a sovereign God who could overrule in the affairs of men and nature. And I'll tell you what, if you want to leave a legacy, I would much rather be in a furnace. I would much rather be in a lion's den with Jesus than in paradise without him. So my charge to you, as Cheryl and I follow the Lord into our next assignment, not retiring, uh, we are refocusing, we are retreading, uh, but not retiring. But our prayer for you is that you would dream bigger dreams, that you would have bigger asks based on abiding in Jesus and loving Jesus, that you would have bigger faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So dig deep into the word, pray more, dare to be different, be available, follow the Lord completely. Trust in a sovereign God who can overrule the affairs of men and nature and never, ever, ever give up. That is our prayer for you. Now, Pastor Doug is going to come up and lead us in the next section now.